It is episode eight of Glass City Game Time, one of America's great sports podcasts, brought to you by The Blade. My name is Corey Christen, and thank you for listening to this episode eight. We are recording from The Blade Building in downtown Toledo, O-H-I-O, and today we are talking wall-to-wall Ohio State versus Penn State, perhaps the biggest game in the college football landscape this week. And joining me this week to do so, first to my left, sports columnist David Briggs. What up? What up, Briggsy? Sitting in front of me, Ohio State beat reporter Kyle Rowland. Welcome back, Kyle. Hello. Thanks. Glad to be here. Hello. Sitting to my right, technical producer Phil Kaplan. And Ohio State homer. Ohio State homer Phil Kaplan. I can say we. You graduated from there. I can say we. Yeah. You have that right. That's That's right. It's a privilege. Let me rephrase that. It's a privilege. Correct. This week, Ohio State, number two in the country, 10-0, versus Penn State, number nine in the country. They are 9-1 and one from Columbus at noon. And I mentioned it last week, and it's still true. The Chase Young nexus rolls through here in Toledo. A couple weeks ago, we found out he was in some trouble. Last week, we found out the suspension. This week, he comes back to the football field. And Kyle, one sack away from breaking Vernon Golston's program record, for a single season. He's at 13 and a half. And with two big games coming up, Penn State and then Michigan next week to close out the regular season, what realistically do you think, seeing this team and seeing how they've operated without him, what do you think the expectations are for Young once he does come back? I mean, just same thing he did before. I mean, I don't see any reason why it would be any different. Uh, I think he will break that record in the first quarter Saturday. And I imagine he'll have a multi-sack game. Uh, Penn State's O-line is very gettable. He'll be hungry. He'll be angry. uh, And I look for him to not necessarily repeat his Wisconsin performance, but uh, on Saturday night, people will probably be talking about him, you know, maybe getting to New York for the Heisman ceremony. It's a noon game. College game day for ESPN will be there. Big noon kickoff for Fox will be there. The center of the college football universe, at least for those three Don't hours. forget BTN tailgate. <laughs> Can't forget BTN tailgate. Briggsy, Young coming off the two-game suspension, and it's not just about him because Ohio State has a dynamite offense. They're the number one scoring offense in the country, and they're the number one scoring defense in the country. So the perhaps best team in college football takes the field, and they may be getting the best player in college football back. And that's why they're a 19-point favorite, which is crazy. You have the number two team in the country, Ohio State, playing a top-10 opponent, number eight, Penn State, and you're a 19-point favorite. I don't know if I've seen that kind of line in November in a long time. And uh, if you just look at pure talent, Ohio State wins in pretty much every area. It is interesting, you know, Ryan Day, Ohio State coach, trying to find ways to motivate the team every week. He says, you know, this is a game where the talent's going to be equal. It's equal talent, and this is a game where it's the team that prepares better is going to win, the team that is more ready. It's like, wow, like Las Vegas really thinks Ohio State's team is going to be a lot more prepared than Penn State. So <laughs> we'll uh, we'll see. I guess, uh, you know, Penn State's just kind of sitting back playing Yahtzee all week, and Ohio State's just working 24-7 in the fill room preparing their equal athletes. So <laughs> we'll, we'll see if the preparations work. It is crazy. I mean, this is essentially a play-in game for the playoff because, I mean, if Penn State wins, they're going to beat Rutgers the following week. And I would say that they would – beat whoever they play in the Big Ten Championship game and go on to the playoff. But it feels like they have 
very little to to no chance of winning this game. So, I mean, I can't remember a game with such huge stakes yeah. where the outcome of the game seems so predetermined. And let's not say that Penn State is going to succumb to that 19-point underdog status. As you kind of mentioned, Kyle, Penn State, not exactly in the driver's seat right now in the Big Ten. They need to beat Ohio State to even sniff the Big Ten title game. So with that said, could we see a Penn State team that's kind of playing with nothing to lose? Uh, Certainly. I mean, I'm sure that is how they'll play. Uh, I mean, their season absolutely is on the line. And and so is Ohio State, because if they lose, they're not going to go to the Big Ten Championship game. So, yeah, I'm sure they will. They'll be very prepared. They've played Ohio State better than than any team in the country these last four years. Realistically, could have a three-game winning streak against them. Uh, As crazy as that sounds, I mean, they've blown consecutive uh, double-digit fourth-quarter leads these last two years beat them the year before that so yeah i mean i think they'll 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 be ready but they're just not anywhere near as good as they were those previous years ohio state is you know light years better you just look at the recruiting regardless of what ryan day says the talent is not the same on these teams ohio state is much better and i would just be shocked if sean clifford no disrespect to him um as i now as i'm going to disrespect him now but I, i cannot Picture him coming into Ohio Stadium and walking away, winning this game. James Franklin at Penn State has kind of surpassed Mark D'Antonio as, as the guy who kind of has the, I guess, the secret sauce to competing with Ohio State. When he came in 2014, they take an Ohio State team that, that won the national title to double overtime the last three years. Um, the games have been decided by, I think, one point every year, at least the last two years. Um, and this year, I disagree a little bit. I think Penn State's very similarly talented to those other Penn State teams. It's just that Ohio State feels like they're in a different world from pretty much everyone other than, uh, you know, LSU, Clemson, those kinds of teams. So, Yeah, I totally disagree because their running back and quarterback are significantly worse than they have been in the past. Well, last year, I mean, it's – I mean, Ohio State's just completely different. I mean, they've never been rolling like this playing a Penn State team, and they still beat those Penn State teams. When we look at – you mentioned the secret sauce, right? The – you know, that niche in that playbook that just gets at Ohio State and just scratches at them. Every year it seems like we talk about Michigan's going to do it this year. Michigan State's going to do it this year. Wisconsin's going to do it this year. And, I mean, we've seen the Iowa and the Purdue lightning in a bottle games. But really, over the course of the Urban Meyer, Ryan Day era here, Ohio State's toughest Big Ten competitor has been Penn State. Yeah, no, for sure. And, I mean, that's... I'm trying to think back to Urban's first year was 2012. That was Bill O'Brien. Yeah. That was the the famous Braxton Miller game. Braxton Miller touchdown play. play. I think the only year they've really smashed them was 2013 in Columbus. 2015, I guess, in Columbus. Did they they blow up Penn State that year? I kind of forget. 13 was the the 1994 score. Right, yeah, 63-14. Yeah. But, yeah, I I mean, James Franklin gets, I don't know, hammered by... A decent amount of people, uh, but I mean he recruits really well, yeah. and I don't think he's necessarily underachieved at Penn State. But it's just hard to I don't know get over the hump. Yeah, consistently. I mean Ohio been, State is an yeah. animal. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I think I was just kind of thinking about the talent this Penn State team versus other Penn State teams. They don't have those top end guys that attract the national attention like Trace McSorley, the quarterback, or Saquon Barkley. But I think when you start to see their fruits of 
one top 10 recruiting class after another, the all-around talent and the depth of talent is probably just as good, if not better, than those teams. They just don't have that that transcendent guy, although K.J. Hamler, the receiver, certainly in that mix. But it'll be – this is the probably uh, – I think Penn State is more talented than Michigan. This is probably the most talented team Ohio State will face until the playoff if it gets there. So – which, again, is why it's so remarkable that it's a three-touchdown spread. Ohio State has won six out of the last seven, and Penn State has not won in Columbus since 2011. They were 21st ranked. They won 20-14 to 14 over an unranked Ohio State team. The next thing I wanted to get to here, and we talked last week about the Heisman Trophy, about Joe Burrow, former Ohio State quarterback, turned LSU quarterback, who is now the clear-cut favorite to win that trophy. The updated odds here, and it's interesting, and I want to get it to an Ohio State perspective. Joe Burrow now minus 2,000 via Odds Shark for entertainment purposes only, which translating to a percentage is roughly 95% chance to win it. Second behind him is Jalen Hurts at Oklahoma at plus 900, which is roughly 10%. And then Justin Fields coming in third at plus 1,000, and he's at about a 9% chance. But Justin Fields... He's the Heisman contender that nobody's talking about. 93.8 QBR, over 2,100 yards, 31 touchdowns, one interception. And Kyle, I know he's set a lot of garbage timeout. Let's be real about that. Margin of victory, by far the largest in the country. What is Justin Fields' angle for a Heisman Trophy candidacy here? I mean, if he had an insane three-game stretch against Penn State, Michigan, and in the Big Ten title game, and Georgia beat LSU, I mean, I guess seemingly there's a chance or even if LSU lost to Texas A&M it seems almost impossible but I'm telling you a year ago right now we said thought it was impossible yeah that Tua Tua, wasn't gonna yeah. win if he if he so, struggles against it, Georgia in the SEC title game I mean the race is open again yeah yeah no I, yeah I agree um I feel like he's the only guy that can can win it so I don't I it'd be almost impossible I think for Jalen Hurts to win it yeah I don't even think Oklahoma's gonna win the playoff yeah they, they don't have, have these prime the time games I mean Ohio State the next three weeks has the absolute game of the week so can Fields go out and win it, or does Burrow have to somehow reel back towards the field and not say lose it, but yeah. Yeah. make it a little more interesting? I think LSU has to lose. Yeah, Burrow would have to come back to the field, and, and you were mentioning the, the garbage time numbers. I think that is a pretty significant part of this. I mean, LSU's defense is so bad that Burrow is having to play pretty deep into these games and continuing to put up great numbers. And Burrow's been great against really good teams, and they've had more marquee stages than Ohio State by far. You know, I think they have three wins over then top 10 teams. Um, they'll, they'll add another one if, uh, if it happens against Georgia. So he would have to come back to the pack. But I do think if Justin Fields was in the same situation – Certainly he would have much bigger numbers. I don't know if he would fare as, have fared as well against all those great teams, but it's kind of been a, an uneven race in, in that way. You mentioned his uh, touchdown pass to interception ratio, 31 touchdowns. One. If you add in his rushing touchdowns, it's 41 to 1, which is just a number I've never heard. <laughs> he doesn't have any running interceptions. <laughs> I mean, it's just yeah. – it really is remarkable how, how good he's been. And, Obviously, he's not passing as much or as well yeah. as, as what Dwayne Haskins did last year, but just his touchdown and, yeah. and interception number is just like yeah. you almost have to second, take a second look at it when you look at it. And in a lot of ways, he makes the offense more dynamic just with his running threat. So. Briggsy, you and I talked about this last week, but I'll throw this at you, Kyle. Is there a way that Chase Young, despite the suspension, plays his way back into that Heisman conversation? I, I think his chances of winning – 
are basically done because he his only chance of winning was putting was getting like 25 sacks which he could have done if he played against Maryland and Rutgers but now I mean even if he just has great games these next three weeks and has you know three sacks in each game just, if he has three sacks in each game then, the, he, then zero, he, he has zero chance of winning if Burrow zero if Burrow chance. lost it I'm saying I, I don't he could. Even, he would pass Fields. I don't as, think he has any chance. He would pass Fields as Ohio State's top contender. I just don't see any way Joe Burrow, with with the season he's had, can fall back. If he has nine sacks in these last three games, in their biggest games of the season, I mean, he would absolutely pass Justin Fields as their top Heisman that, guy. That puts him at the score. Phil he, said it last week that Young needs a down. score. He needs a score. He needs yeah, a strip I sack. I agree with that. Yeah. Strip sack, touchdown, something, or like jump up, pick it off. It's he needs a sacks. fat guy touchdown, except he's the rare defensive lineman with a six-pack. <laughs> we're, we're the fat guys compared yeah. to Right, right. No, absolutely. And, and you guys are, are not fat guys. Um, <laughs> Phil is not a fat guy either. I will not speak for myself. Um, I'm thinking of this, too. If that is three sacks a game over the next three games, that puts him at 22.5, which is 1.5 off of the CFB record, the, or the major college football yeah, record. Yeah, yeah, so He definitely gets invited. Yeah, he definitely gets invited. Zero chance he wins. So we could realistically see Burrow, Fields, and Young in New York, and that's not far at off to say. Looking forward, though, now, Penn State, then we got Michigan here. I don't want to look too, too far into it, but Ohio State, assuming they take care of their business against Penn State and Michigan, could see them on a crash course with either Minnesota or Wisconsin. And we saw Ohio State dispatch Wisconsin. We saw Penn State get dispatched by Minnesota. So I'm thinking about the winner of that game facing Ohio State in the Big Ten title game, Kyle. And we don't know too much about Minnesota, but what we do know is they can put points on the board. Yeah, I don't think they would against Ohio State, though. That- <laughs> Big take. That game, I think, is an absolute blowout just waiting to happen. Yeah, it kind um, of feels like Northwestern Ohio State last year. Yeah, I mean, I think Minnesota is good. It's a cool story. I love PJ, but... I think that they'd uh, have a, a major problem against Ohio State. And I think Ohio State would beat Wisconsin as well. But college football rematches are just weird. It, it's, I don't know, it's different than the NFL. It's, I don't think it would be a total repeat of what happened the first game. And, and I, even as much as Ohio State dominated, I mean, if you injected their coaches with true serum, I bet they would say they do not want to play Wisconsin again. Kyle, any final thoughts before we get out of here this week? My final thought is well, I'll say this is a week old, but the Northwestern UMass game last week was one of the most fun, horrible college football games I've ever watched in my life. It was utterly fascinating. Northwestern, a 38-point favorite, even though they had scored 100 points the entire season, ended up winning by 38. There were a lot of mad people because UMass took a knee on the five-yard line at the end of the game. But yeah, that's my final thought. Put that in uh, Scott Van Pelt's Bad Beats segment on SportsCenter. That's what we can do. Briggsy, final thought for the week. My final thought? I have no final thought this week, guys. Sorry. <laughs> you don't have to. Sometimes the best thinking is no thinking. <laughs> and we have someone at the door. This is great. And someone's just peeking in. They walked <laughs> away since. My final thought, going into these final couple weeks in college football, again, we can't forget about the Pac-12. Oregon <laughs> is on a crash course to face Utah. And Oregon has creeped up into the sixth spot in the college football playoff rankings. Do not sleep on the Pac-12. Phil? I'm sleeping on the (laughs) Pac-12. Then good night. And God bless. 
As for those of you listening in, stay tuned because we are going to be joined by Blade Sports Editor Scott McNeish, and we are going to talk about Ohio State's case as the best team in the country. Have they done enough in spite of their number two ranking in the country to claim the top spot in the college football world? Stay tuned. You're not going to want to miss that. We'll be right back here on Glass City Game Time. All right, continuing on here on Glass City Game Time, and joining us just like he does is Blade Sports Editor Scott McNeish. Hello. What's up, Scott? So, Ohio State started off the college football playoff ranking at number one. Slipped back to number two after LSU beat Alabama. They remained there this week. Nothing changed in the top four. Ohio State is a 19-point favorite over Penn State, who is another top 10 team, and... I mean, I think you still have to give it to LSU based on that Alabama win. Alabama keeps sliding a little bit now without Tua. Doesn't It's kind of sketchy territory. Have they done enough? I think, yeah, they have, but here's the problem. I think LSU has done enough, too. So uh, I think as of right now, I think the committee is using the correct tiebreaker, if in fact it is a tie, because we're never going to know that. But I think they are doing it the right way so far. But I think you could make a very valid argument that Ohio State is the best team in the country, no question. It's been marginal over the last few weeks, at least in the AP rankings, where Ohio State and LSU are separated by, whether it's single digits points or by about a dozen. Right. And now you look at the updated Heisman standings with Burrow at one, Jalen Hurts from Oklahoma at two, and Justin Fields from Ohio State at three. We know Chase Young's coming back from a suspension, and it's not out of the question for him to play his way back into that. So, LSU, Ohio State as 1-2 and two or 1-1A, one however you want to put it, is fine. But maybe Ohio State, if they live up to this 19-point favorite over Penn State, and then assuming against Michigan, I don't even want to think of what it is against Michigan, that could vault them over LSU. It could end up that way. I think so, because you're going to get, let's pretend like they beat Penn State this week handily. Uh, they're going to have an opportunity to beat a ranked Michigan team handily, and then you're going to get a chance in the Big Ten championship game whoever comes out of the west will be good and i'm not ohio state good or lsu good but they will be a good team and so you'll have another opportunity to put a a lopsided score on another good team with those three in a row i think maybe that's enough to get them over lsu is ohio state as a 19 point favorite too generous or not enough i thought it was pretty right on the money i I thought it was going to be 20 to be honest um i think that might surprise some people but I think there is such a gap between the teams that are at the very very top and the teams who are more towards the bottom of the top 10 it reminds me a lot of maybe the the Miami teams of the early 2000s or or maybe those USC teams with Bush and Liner where they are just so much better than some of the other teams in the top 10 to where 19 20 point spreads in top 10 matchups is just normal and I think that that was pretty darn close to where I would put that. Is Justin Fields getting enough rain as a Heisman contender? Because no, he isn't. If there's such thing as having a quiet, dominant season, it seems like Justin Fields has had that. I think that everybody's on the Joe Burrow train, and I, I can see that argument for sure. He's see, uh, to me, he's the front runner. I think that you have um, a guy like Jalen Hurts putting up huge numbers in, in that system, which I don't think surprises anyone. 
so I think that those kind of guys are the ones who are going to get a lot of the headlines, a lot of the attention because the numbers are so gaudy. I think what makes Fields so good is just his efficiency. He hasn't made any mistakes, and he can hurt you in a lot of different ways. Plus, his stats might not be as great as some of those other contenders because he doesn't really play in the second half. He's played basically a half every week. So I think a combination of those things has made Justin Fields a little bit back in the pack, but I don't think that is the way that it should be because I guess, well, like I was talking about with those three games coming up, we'll find out a lot about Justin Fields too. Scott, thanks for the time. Thanks for the perspective as always. As for those of you listening at home, don't forget every week, every Thursday, you can find us on ToledoBlade.com, on Blade News Slide, and basically anywhere podcasts are delivered. So iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, you can search Glass City Game Time and you'll find us. Please remember to share and subscribe. We greatly appreciate that. And if you enjoyed this show, please remember to leave us a fair rating. We appreciate that as well. So, for David Briggs, for Kyle Rowland, for Scott McNeish, and for Phil Kaplan, my name is Corey Christen. We'll talk to you next week.